Good morning, FCF. Um, we're continuing in our series of messages called Tug of War Slash Love. And the particular topic we're going to be looking at today hits perhaps an area where a lot of the tugging or maybe more of the tugging goes on than in any other area of our relationships and that goal we have of trying to learn to love the way God Himself learns. I want to start with um, a little bit of a riddle today. So the answer that I'm looking for, I'm going to ask you four questions, and the answer is one word. Um, so it's the same word would be the answer to all these questions. Let me read them to you. What, though extremely valuable, do you possess in an endless supply? Question two. What do you possess that can deeply impact the quality of life of others? Question three. What do you possess that, when given, puts you in an extremely vulnerable state? Question four. What is something that one never has enough of, no matter how much they have? Now, I know, riddles first thing in the morning are pain. Your mind's not geared to something like that. The answer to the riddle, the answer to each of the four questions, is affection. Let me show you how that works. Uh, what, though extremely valuable, do you possess in an endless supply? Affection. What do you possess that can deeply impact the life of others? Affection. What do you possess that, when given, puts you in an extremely vulnerable state? Affection. And what is something that one never has enough of, no matter how much they have? And again, affection. Now, I'm going to add something to this. The message today is going to be about something I'm calling recognizable affection. I hope that as the message develops, you'll see the distinction between just affection and recognizable affection as we go on. So I want to start by let's just examine uh, affection in general. And, uh, you know, let, let's try to define affection in everyday, you know, language. Um, affection is when I feel, you feel, we feel that we are accepted, that we are wanted, that we are liked, that we are admired, that we are enjoyed, that we are respected. We, we could add to this list of words, but these are the things that tend to make us feel affection. Vice versa, we try to help others feel wanted, respected, admired, accepted, uh, all these various ways. It, it, it's a warm feeling. We all recognize it. It's kind of odd to try to define it. So the question I want to start us on as we examine affection itself is, is where did it come from? Why are we like this? Why is affection something that human beings seem to have and we have in a very unique way? Well, we're going to look at the origin, we're going to look at the value of affection, and then we're going to look at the power of it. Well, the origin of affection, uh, origin of affection, it's the origin of everything, it's the origin of the universe, and it's God Himself. Let me read you a verse from 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Now, affection and love can be different, but when there is love, God's kind of love, affection is one strong component of it. Now, there can be affection without love, that's for sure, uh, but nevertheless, Affection is a definite component of God's love. So we have this ability, we have this capacity to feel this thing we call affection because it exists in God. The eternal Creator has affection in Himself. The Scripture says that He lovingly, He, he gave us the most amazing gift in that He made us in His own image. He has affection, the capacity to feel, to feel deeply, uh, to feel this wonderful, warm feeling, and He gave this to us. And matter of fact, when God created us, 
He just lavished love upon us in that he, he gave us this multifaceted capacity to experience pleasure on so many levels. I mean, think of the things, you know, the pleasure we receive by just looking at things. Suppose he would have made our vision where all, all we could see is black and white, but we see multiple colors and we see depth and close-ups and things like that. What about with our hearing? He gave us the abilities to hear highs and lows. What if we could only hear lows and no highs? Um, taste buds, taste buds, think of that. He deliberately, intentionally gave us these pleasure capacities in, in our tongues. Now, now you're probably thinking, yeah, we'd probably be a whole lot slimmer and in better condition if we couldn't taste our food, but nevertheless, it's God's thoughtfulness that He made us with this multifaceted capacity for pleasure and on a, an emotional level, it's just kind of like He pulled out all the stops. The fact that we are emotional beings and not just logical, rational beings is extraordinary. The thing that gives quality to life, the thing that gives uh, excitement to life, meaning to life, it is the fact that we have these emotional abilities, the, these feelings, and strong and high on the list of emotions and feelings is this thing we call affection. It originates from God, it lives in us because we're made in His image, and it's extraordinarily valuable. Now, we know how valuable it is because we live in a society that almost revolves around it. How many records have been made that revolve around affection? How many books have been written? How many poems have been written? How many movies have been made that revolve around affection? So, so it's a highly valued thing. Humans kind of instinctively know it's, it's hard to define, but we know this wonderful feeling that we experience when we sense that someone has affection for us, vice versa, when we have affection for them, it is an equally wonderful feeling. So it's, it's highly prized, it's highly valued. Let me read you something from the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 7. It says, Many waters cannot quench the flame of love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man tried to buy it with everything he owned, he couldn't do it. This is what's interesting about being made by Christ and for Christ and made in His image. The truth is, a human being could have all the power that there is to be had in the world. They could have all the wealth that there is to be had in the world. But if that human being didn't feel that there was a person on the planet that had affection for them, they would be a most miserable person. Vice versa, if they didn't have affection for anybody, they'd be a most miserable person. Contrast that, however, a person can be pretty powerless and a person can live in extreme poverty, but if they possess the certainty that there are people in their circle of influence that have affection for them and they have affection in return, they can be very fulfilled, very content, very happy people. You cannot be happy, you cannot be fulfilled, you cannot be content without the certainty that there are those that have affection for you and that you have affection for them, but you don't need the power, you don't need the wealth to feel fulfilled, happy, and have a very meaningful life if you know and you feel that there are those in your circle of influence that have affection for you. So, so affection is, is extraordinarily valuable. It originates with God. It's valuable to all of us as human beings. We cherish it. We, we fight for it. We strive for it. And sometimes we even die for it. And that brings us to the, the notion that it comes with tremendous power. Um, sometimes this power is misused. In our society today, we have to be honest, when it comes to affection, historically affection has been something that's, that's fleeting, 
It's been something that's pretty fickle. It can be given today and taken back tomorrow. It's been something that's often misused. I mean, people will use affection to control others, to manipulate others, and sometimes it's even used to punish other people. We, we know that affection is a powerful thing. It can determine the quality of another human being's life, and because it's so powerful, it's used sometimes not the way that it was intended to be used. Now, let me go further about the power of affection. Everyone knows that we are never more vulnerable than when we take that risk to express our affection to someone without the certainty that it's going to be reciprocated. All you got to do is go back to your young days, um, you know, when you're, you're first ratcheting up your nerve to, to tell that boy or to tell that girl that you, you really like them. You know, you're not like friends, but I like you, like you. I can still remember this day uh, being on the phone. I had my buddy call this girl and I wanted to find out if she really liked me. I was going to take the risk of letting her know that I liked her and did she like me. And I'm listening in on the phone. This is what we did in those days. We were pretty pitiful, I guess. And, and I heard those words that no man, no boy wants to ever hear. Oh, I like Randy, but I only like him as a friend. Ah, that's the dagger in the heart. So when you, when I, when we reveal our affection to someone, we are, we are so vulnerable. You're kind of offering your whole soul. You're kind of offering everything you are. When they reject your affection, when they reject my affection, they're rejecting us in a, in a kind of a total sort of a way. And even saying that we're friends, it doesn't quite feel good at the time. So it originates with God. It's extremely valuable and it's rightly, correctly valuable. And it's very powerful. It's a very powerful thing. Let me read you a verse from uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 29, verse 20. It says it's about Jacob and Jacob's experience with this, uh, this lady named Rachel. It says, So Jacob worked for seven years so he could marry Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because he loved her so much. The affection he felt for Rachel made seven years. Her, her father Laban made him work for seven years before he'd give his daughter away in marriage. And he said it just seemed like a few days. Now, if you read the story, it's really dark. Laban tricks him and he has to end up actually working 14 years for Rachel. Would this affection, would this bliss, would this euphoria last? Well, if you read the story, you'll see life got real for Rachel and Jacob just like it gets real for all of us. Affection, as powerful as, as it is, Affection needs love, God's kind of love, to sustain it, to refresh it, to, to keep pumping energy into it to maintain its health. So we've looked at the, the, uh, the kind of the, 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 core, the core description of affection. Now I want to take you to where I've really been wanting to take in this message, and that's about expressing affection. How can we express affection? Because here's the key. I, I hinted at this at the beginning of the message. Unless I, we, know how to express affection correctly, it's not going to be recognizable. And this is a tragedy. Sometimes there are people that have real affection for other people, but because they don't know how to express it effectively, the other people never know that that affection exists. And until I recognize your affection for me, until you recognize my affection for you, it doesn't exist. It's kind of like gratitude and thankfulness. One of the things I learned many, many years ago, unless you and I are willing to be specifically thankful, itemize specific thankfulness about things, 
we have no sense of possessing it and we don't feel blessed. Until we say, God, thank you for my eyesight. Thank you for my hearing. Thank you for this heartbeat. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my car, whatever it is. Thank you for my friends. We take them for granted and we feel poverty stricken, like we really don't have much. But when we start thanking God specifically, we start realizing how wealthy we are. Likewise, with affection. Until I can recognize that you have affection for me, until you recognize that I have affection for you, it doesn't exist. You don't feel that I have any affection for you. I don't feel that you have any affection for me. And so as valuable and powerful as it is, it's diminished. And it all revolves around effectively expressing it. Now to effectively express affection, there are three critical components. You, you cannot, we cannot ignore these. The first is this. Affection has to be expressed appropriately. Appropriately. Let me read you a verse. Proverbs 27, verse 5. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. It has to be expressed appropriately. It has to be recognizable. Better is open rebuke than hidden love or love or affection that I can't recognize. Romans 12.10 says this. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. R Randy, what do you mean by expressing it appropriately? You recall in this series of messages, I've introduced that there are six contexts. At times I've called them levels, but, but there are contexts. They are like classrooms that God places us in so that we can learn to love the way that He loves. The goal of these relational contexts are to stretch us so that our, our hearts, our capacities can be expanded to learn to love the way that God loves. And, and I, I gave you the six. Here, here's what they are. The first, the first classroom or the first context, the first level, it's family. The second level I called co-workers. And this is not meant to be in any, any necessary order, but, but it does tend to fall this way. It's co-workers. The third level are friends. The fourth level are what I call the strangers. There's people we just meet in the community, but we don't know them real, real well. The, the fifth level are enemies. And then the sixth level are fellow Christians, fellow followers of Christ. These are all classrooms. These are all contexts where God wants to stretch us and help us grow so that we learn to love God's ways. These relationships, you've got you to get this one down. These relationships are not primarily to make me happy or to make you happy or to make us happy, even though they do, and they can at least, but they are primarily to stretch us, to catalyze dormant capacities in us so that we grow and learn to love God's way. <laughs> if you keep that as the goal in each of these relational contexts, it will serve you well. You won't get discouraged. You won't be as likely to bail when things get uncomfortable. So learning to love or learning to communicate affection appropriately means I have to examine what relational context I'm in. Let, let me show you where I'm going. To express affection appropriately, let's say that I'm in the family context, all right? I might express affection with my wife in one way, but it would be terribly inappropriate for me to express that affection the same way with my parents or with my children. You see what I'm trying to say? Let me go further. I might express affection to my wife in one way, but I would not be wise to express the affection with a coworker or a friend that same way. You see, to make love, to, to, excuse me, to make affection recognizable, it has to be expressed appropriately. So I have to look at 
what context am I in and what's the appropriate way for expressing affection. In fact, when we, when we express affection the wrong way in a context, let's say we express uh, the kind of affection we would express to our spouse with a coworker, that's what we call affairs. That introduces chaos, confusion, it brings hurt, it brings harm, it brings destruction. Any area that we get that context and we express affection incorrectly, um, not based on the context, we, we do disruption ultimately. So that's the first thing. We have to express it appropriately. That means I, I need to know what context am I in. The second thing we need to do, and this is probably the hardest of all, we need to express our affection intelligently. And by intelligently, I mean this. Have you ever had the experience, for example, of you're on a website that you maybe order things from from time to time and you've put in a password there and you've got a million other passwords so you're trying to check out and now they want your password so you're putting in what you think you remember the password to be but no matter how many times you put it in they keep rejecting it so you try oh maybe I put a dot maybe I put a number at the end maybe I put an exclamation point explanation point. you keep trying but it keeps rejecting it it's very maddening very frustrating passwords are maddening anyway there's just too many to remember let me give you another example that's very similar. It's kind of like if you've ever had a conversation or attempted to have a conversation with somebody that you don't speak their language and they don't speak your language. And so you're both really trying, you're trying to talk with one another, you're trying to converse, but you just can't understand what each other is saying. It's like that password. You just can't find the combination. You, you can't make the safe open. Well, that's what it's like when we are trying to express affection, but we're not doing it intelligently. Let, let, let me show you where I'm going with this. Let me read you a verse. It says in Romans 12, 15, it gives us a hint at how we can start to express affection intelligently. Romans 12, 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. This gives us a good example. Let me give you one more from the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 3 and 4, it says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his tunic and his sword and his bow and his belt. He had just killed Goliath. David had just killed Goliath. Saul had brought him into his court. And Saul's warrior noble son, Jonathan, he so loved David's love for God and his courage that he had an immediate bond with him. And he knew the proper symbols to communicate his affection appropriately, intelligently to David. Likewise, when we mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who mourn, we're, we're communicating our affection intelligently. Now, years, years ago, a man named Gary Chapman, a Christian, wrote a book called The Five Languages of Love. He's changed some of the terminology. I, I kind of, many years ago, put them all together in my head for a tease. So let me see if I can recall these for you. Sometimes the language, the, the thing that will open the combination with someone that they know that you're trying to, I'm trying to express affection, is I just need to tell them. I just need to tell them I like you, I admire you, I love you, whatever's appropriate within the, within the context. Sometimes it's telling them. Sometimes it's talking to them. 
Just having conversation helps some people feel that you or I have affection for them. Sometimes it's spending time with them. People evaluate time as affection. Sometimes it's touching in the appropriate ways, again, based on the context. And then sometimes it's tasks. It's helping them. It's, it's doing something for them that communicates to them, this person really likes me. They really love me. They wouldn't be giving me this help if they didn't. Now, Gary Chapman has kind of modified this, and we're going to have a little graphic on the screen that's going to show you the, the five love languages, but it might be something good for you to buy the book. Time for me to do a disclaimer, folks. I made a disclaimer early in this series saying, this is a, a relational series, and I am still a lifelong learner. In fact, I'm the guy sitting in the corner a lot of time with the dunce cap on. I, I have a lot to learn. I'm a two steps forward, three steps back guy in this relational realm. And when it comes to intelligently loving those in my circle of influence, I make mistakes, and I am just dreadfully uh, trying to learn and trying to get better at those. But as we find the language, if if I'm touching someone, but the language that communicates affection to them is telling them that I have like for them, or I have fondness, or I have admiration, then, then I may be putting a hand on their shoulder, but they're just being creeped out, you know? So we have to figure this out. Husbands and wives collide on this all the time, because here's what we tend to do. We, we tend to think that the person we're trying to communicate affection to, that, that they have the same language that we have. So for example, we men, we're, we're famous for this. Maybe what communicates affection to us is touch. When our wives touch us or allow us to touch them, man, we, we feel affection. So we assume, since that's what communicates affection to us, well, it must communicate affection to her. So we, we're all about touch. But she's thinking, man, will you just quit hovering over me and touching me all the time? I want you to, to go do those chores that you have been putting off for the last three months. It's tasks that communicate affection to her, or it might be talking, just spending time talking to her with real focus. So, until you and I can learn the language of another soul, what communicates affection to them, we're kind of like trying to find that password that we can't find. It's kind of like a combination lock that we've forgotten the formula. It's kind of like trying to speak to someone and they don't speak our language and we don't speak theirs. It just doesn't work. And remember what I said, when affection is not recognizable, for all practical purposes, it doesn't exist. This is tragic because I know there are multiple people, you, me, a lot of us, we, we have genuine affection for people in all those six different levels, for our family members, for our, our work associates, for our friends, for the strangers that we meet in the community, even for the enemies and for fellow Christians. But because we're not, a not, we're not knowledgeable, or sufficiently knowledgeable is a better way of saying it, of what communicates affection to them, sometimes they don't feel our affection, even though we really do have it for them. So it has to be communicated appropriately, it has to be communicated intelligently, and then ultimately it's gotta be communicated continually. And this is where being a lifelong learner comes in. I, you, we, we, we have to just recognize that we are so deficient in this area, even the best of us. Some of us do way better than others. You know, okay, some of us are real deficient, like myself. Some of us are such damaged goods that we have a tremendous hard time with this. We have a hard time feeling when others have affection for us. We have a hard time expressing affection appropriately and learning other people's love languages. Nevertheless, what we can all agree to is that because we've trusted in Christ and He's given us this capacity to learn to love the way He does and express affection the way He does, I can grow, I can learn, I can improve at least for the rest of my life. And so can you. 
So we have to get it in our heads. I'm going to continue with this. I'm going to try. My goal is that in each of the six areas of my life, when it comes to family, when it comes to coworkers, when it comes to friends, when it comes to the stranger, when it comes even to the enemy and the, and the fellow followers of Christ, I'm going to do my best to learn to improve on expressing affection to them in a way that they will recognize it. Let me share a verse with you. It's Proverbs 3.27. It says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. We have the power to express affection to all the people in our six areas, our circles of influence, and, and we need to continue as at least students in that. It says in Proverbs 19.22, it says, What a person desires is unfailing love. That's what we really want. We want not only unfailing love, we want unfailing affection. Here's the truth. You and I and every human being that's ever been wants to feel affection from, coming from every person that we meet all the time. And we would like to, for them to feel affection coming from us. I mean, this is in our better moments at least. But the problem is, it's really not perfect. It's really a bit messy. It really can be a tug of war. I wonder, I wonder if you've ever had the experience of uh, you're, you're going to a restaurant and you're really, really hungry and you're, you're eager to get to your main course, but you know you're going to have to sit there waiting for a while. So what you do is, is you, you get something to hold you. Now, ask you a question to lead into this. Uh, what's the difference, maybe some of you know, what's the difference between an hors d'oeuvre and an appetizer? Think about it for a minute. You've got your answer. Let me tell you the difference. The difference is this. An hors d'oeuvre, it can just be any old thing to kind of tide you over, but it's not connected necessarily to the meal. Whereas an appetizer, it's picked to be consistent with what the rest of the meal is going to be. But both of them have this in common. They are just meant to tide us over. They're, they're meant to help us as we're anticipating the real meal. The real meal is coming. The, the appetizer, the hors d'oeuvre, it's not the real meal. Now, we're kind of like the old Queen song, the 1989's Queen, Queen song, all of us as human beings, you, me, all of us. Remember the song? I want it all, I want it all, I want it all. And you finish it. I want it when? You know the answer. I want it now. I want it all and I want it now. You want everyone that you ever meet. You want all their affection all the time. And you want it right now in this life. I want it too. I hope that each of us want them to feel affection from us. We want it all. We want them to have it all. And we want it now. But you know and I know that isn't the way life works. And that's why it becomes a tug of war. This trying to receive the affection that we want to receive and give the affection that we want to give, it becomes a less than perfect experience. And so it's critical that we learn to adjust our expectations. We can't have it all now. We're not going to receive from others in a recognizable form all the affection that we would like to have from them. We're not going to be able to give to them in a recognizable form all the affection they would like to receive from us. This doesn't mean we shouldn't try. It doesn't mean we can't grow. But it, it is reality and we need to adjust our expectations because if not, we're going to be terribly frustrated, we're going to be terribly disappointed, and maybe even embittered. But, but if we look at the affection that we receive now and the affection that we give now as an appetizer 
as an appetizer. An appetizer is connected. It's not the meal, but it's, it's something to tide us over, and it's pointing us as we're waiting. It's to help us anticipate the meal, to want it even more, to enjoy it even better. Then the fragment, the appetizer, it's enough. It's, it's wonderful. My, my wife and I, we, we like going to Bonefish Grill occasionally. When we go there, we pretty much get the same thing all the time. We get this uh, tilapia imperial. But then as an appetizer, we always get the bang-bang shrimp. Now, when we're eating the bang-bang shrimp, I want to tell you, man, we really enjoy those things. But we're, we're still thinking about the tilapia imperial. We, we have plenty of room left for the tilapia imperial. That's the real meal. We're anticipating. Yeah, we're enjoying the appetizer, but it's not the meal. Where am I going? Our Creator, our loving Creator, says all the affection, the best affection, the people, the human beings that receive the most affection in this life. And by the way, in this life, some people get more affection than they deserve and others are terribly deprived of the affection they should have. But even those that receive the best, the most affection in this life, all it really is, and all it was ever meant to be, is an appetizer. Because the best is yet to come. Our loving Creator, He can't wait to pull out all the stops and your heart's desire and my heart's desire. You've always wanted to live in a world where every soul that you meet, they have genuine heartfelt affection for you. You're wanted, you're accepted, you're respected, you belong. They never are going to think a bad thought about you. They admire you, they like you. You want to experience that with every person you ever meet, and our Creator has destined you, if you are His follower, for such a world. And you're going to have a capacity to have that same kind of perfect affection for every person you meet, and you'll know just how to communicate it. You will know the language of their soul perfectly, as they will know the language of your soul perfectly. What's my point? My point is we have to learn to appreciate the appetizer. Let it cause our anticipation to increase because if we don't have our anticipation on what our Savior promises is coming, we're going to be frustrated with the tug of war that inevitably happens as we give and receive imperfectly. Listen to me carefully, folks. Imperfectly, we give and receive affection, even at our best in this life. But if we're anticipating that time, that time when those people in our circle of influence, they're, they're going to perfectly express affection for us forever and forever and forever. And we're going to perfectly know their language and express affection for them forever and ever and ever. If your soul is anything like mine, and I know that it is, you ache for that. We, we don't even dare think about it because it seems so foreign, but our Savior who rose from the grave, He promises that is our destiny, a world where affection flows continuously forever, perfect affection, full affection. Everybody feels it. Everybody knows how to give it. And that is your destiny as those that have been reconciled to God by putting your trust in Christ and becoming His follower. As we close out, I wonder if maybe you've been feeling some frustration in this area of affection in one of those levels, one of those contexts. Maybe it's with family or family members. Maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's with coworkers. Maybe it's friends. Uh, you know, maybe it's it's with just some people you know as strangers, but you know them in the community. It could be with fellow Christians. Wherever it is that you've been a little frustrated. 
maybe what you need to do is remind yourself this is just an appetizer the real the real meal the thing that I want it's certain it's sure it's just as sure as Jesus rising from the dead it's coming it's coming I just need to wait and while I'm waiting, I'm going to enjoy the appetizer. And you can and I can enjoy the appetizer, the imperfect appetizer, much, much more if we're keeping an eye anticipating the full meal that's yet to come. So maybe there's an area where you've been frustrated and maybe even angry, maybe even embittered, maybe discouraged, and you just need to rethink this. You need to adjust your expectations and allow God to maybe take you to school in some of these areas. We all need to go to school when it comes to learning to express our affections appropriately. We all need to go to school when it comes to learning to express our affections intelligently. And we all need to be lifelong learners to say, whatever it takes, I'm going to be one that enlists to communicate affection forever, continually, for the rest of my life. FCF, let's pray. Our Father and our God, we can hardly begin to understand the riches and the depths of your great love. You created us in your image with such capacities to experience life like you do, to experience pleasure on so many levels. And, and this emotional ability that you've given us, this emotional capacity, this ability to, to feel affection from others and to give affection to others, how can we ever How can we ever adequately thank you for this gift that you've given us? Help us to cherish, help us to cherish whatever imperfect fragments of affection we receive and whatever imperfect fragments we have to this point been, or been able to give or learned how to give. May we grow, may we be stretched, may our full potential be realized increasingly. Father, thank you for this time. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.